This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Maresca. Welcome to the CyberSound podcast. Uh, this week, we're being joined by Mike Cavanaugh. He's the Vice President of Insure Tech Growth at Boost Insurance. Uh, and as always, Jason Pufall and Steve Maresca, uh, your hosts here at Vancourt. Uh, Mike, welcome. I appreciate you joining today. Thanks for having me. So your background's in insurance, right? My background's in security. Uh, interestingly, you know, over the last few years, we've seen an intersection there uh, in that cyber liability insurance uh, as a mechanism or a tool to help businesses recover from you know, your standard sort of incident response, uh, cyber threats that occur uh, is getting much more common. Uh, we have questions all the time around the value of cyber liability insurance, um, you know, frankly, whether it pays out in the event of some of these incidents, uh, you know, kind of what is it? So, you know, let's spend a little time today just discussing that in sort of general terms. Uh, if you could spend a minute on really, frankly, what is cyber liability insurance? I think that'd be a, a great start. Yeah, so cyber liability is a bit of a unique insurance policy. Uh, most people, when they think of insurance, it's, you know, I have a slip and fall, so they'll pay the individual who got hurt, or somebody sues me for you know, not performing a service, so they're demanding a financial loss, right? They want some money back based on what their fees are. Cyber liability is different in that it's more of a proactive policy. It's designed to cover you, the insured or the company, for all the expenses that are incurred as a result of any number of cyber events. It could be a data breach, uh, business interruption claim, uh, anything really that impedes your business that's tied to the cyber event. Um, it's designed in a couple different ways, especially, so it was really designed in response to a lot of past claims and regulatory changes. Uh, perfect example is the Target pack, however many years ago. I mean, if uh, if I can date myself as to how long I've been in the industry, I remember when that was the big claim back then. Uh, but the biggest concern then was notifying people and monitoring credit. Before then, it had to do with a different exposure for credit cards with the Heartland and TJ Maxx groups. The policy has adapted over the years to cover what people are looking for. Most recently, ransomware, uh, business interruption, really responding to make the insured or make your company whole after you've suffered a breach. You know, the policy's there to be there on your worst day. And unlike some other policies, it's there instantaneously. As soon as something happens, you pick up that phone and the carrier will respond to provide coverage for all the expenses that are tied to that. So one of the things, you know, in, in, I'll call it my limited expertise with cyber liability policies, um, I think one of the things that makes it feel unique to me is there's the there's that reactive aspect, right? You've had an event and you you call your carrier, uh, but they all come with some proactive capabilities as well, right? To to improve your security program, if if I recall, or at least many of them do. Yeah, the carriers over the years have made it a, a really a focused effort on to well an effort to focus on education and benefits to having a policy. Uh, the idea of really an insurance, there's a couple different ways you can, you know, have a better book of business. Uh, there's through, you know, better risk selection is really the big one, finding the better risks. So what they've done with cyber is try to create that book. They've tried to provide education to the insureds to make them a better risk, to really give them the resources to, you know, 
better understand the exposures from social engineering, um, better understand why behavioral analytics is a thing, you know, all different aspects of cyber that people feel should be, you know, you know made aware of. Uh, the carriers are trying to get that information out there. It's really, they're looking to build a partnership more so on cyber than they are in other policies because they want to make you a better risk. Uh, some carriers bring that in-house. They've actually gone so far as to hire or really acquire um, security vendors that will do you know, everything from pen tests, vulnerability scans. Uh, they'll do it as a part of the underwriting process. Really, and then we'll share the information with the insured because you know, it's vital information to make somebody a better risk. So, so, so unique in that. So, so on that on that front, you know, what are common underwriting requirements? What are there? What steps do the insured need to take when engaging with cyber liability? And act, actually, maybe as a follow-on to that, then, since I think it's a segue, are there extra things a company could do to bring their policies down? Right, the the, the cost of their policies down at all. Yeah, so cyber liability, I mean, at its core, really was built off of other types of policies. So as much as we're latched on to or it's tied to something that is inherently you know, innovative, something new, something electronic, digital, uh, they very much re- rely on old school applications. It used to be like a 20-page application. Now we've slimmed it down. But the idea of really collecting the most basic information about the insured's infrastructure, um, it's kind of one of the... One of the issues or one of the pushbacks we receive from a lot of insureds is really sharing that type of information or how does the carrier know what's going on? Uh, how do they know that we have this level of security in place? But it all really comes back to the information provided by the insured. They're asking about things like, you know, do you use encryption? Um, are you PCI compliant if you collect credit cards? All these things that, you know, really they've determined help them get a better sense of who the risk is and how secure they are. Um, as of late, in the last couple of years, there's been more, um, I guess, insight or education on the carrier side. They've started to realize that you can't really get as much information as you need on an application, right? Whoever's mm-hmm. filling out the application, chances are they don't have that ability to actually explain what's going on. They don't have an understanding of the, you know, the network infrastructure. So what they've done is relied and fallen back on technology to provide the answers. It's been uh, kind of interesting to see how it's developed and where they've pulled the data points, everything from your basic vulnerability scan to maybe some more in-depth tests for a lot of the larger risks. But what they, or what that's done is allowed them to share information and say, let's say in the security scan, we've identified that you have RDP, a remote desktop protocol, it's open to the internet, you know, that's tied to a lot of claims. Right. We want you to shut that down, or we want you to do X, we want you to do Y. Uh, they will say that some sometimes that is contingent on getting the coverage. Either you do not qualify unless you do that, or they might say, hey, you know, you'll get a better rate if you do this. If you actually follow these recommendations, we will reward you because now you are at better risk. Some carers just go the route of just not wanting to write the risk at all. Others, have taken that on themselves to understand that this is still a good risk, but if we work with them, we can potentially make them a better one. Um, Kind of what's new is really some of these newer carriers that have jumped on the marketplace actually have that ability to make those recommendations in-house. So we'll see some carriers. I used to get on the phone with um, a couple different carriers who would say, hey, 
we've noticed this about the insurer. Do you think we could get on the phone with their IT team to talk it through? You know, maybe it was deliberate. So I, I'm curious if there are implications for organizations that want to pursue cyber liability insurance but have already experienced a breach, or if not a breach, an incident of some kind that maybe heightened their awareness of such services and motivated their um, pursuit of it. Does it harm um, their engagement with liability? Does it alter their premium? You know, what, what's the impact? Yeah, so it's funny. We ultimately say that um, if somebody comes in with a breach, if we get an application who's had a breach, they've had an interruption event, they've had some ransomware, the idea is that they've had their event, or at least until the last year and a half or so, they've had their event. You know, they become a better risk. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've identified it. You have to realize that you know, people are doing things in response. In a lot of cases, they're getting the insurance because they've already had to go through it. They've understood how much it can actually cost. So why not invest in this insurance policy, which can help me with a lot of it, either on the front end or in response to a claim. Um, people will write insureds with claims, uh, even if they're really bad. You may have a higher premium and there might be certain requirements and saying, hey, you've got to implement two-factor authentication. Uh, things that the carriers see as a sign of creating or a sign of having a, a savvier insured, if you will, um, or just asking questions about what you've done to improve your exposure. You know, have you upgraded all of your systems beyond Windows 7? You know, little things like that that make perfect sense to somebody who is in security. You know, these carriers are now understanding that these are the questions we should be asking. And if somebody shows up and they've had an event, you know, they're not going to fault them, unlike a lot of other insurance policies. They understand that things are going to happen. It's how you respond that really makes you a better risk or a bad risk, what have you. So uh, and I, it's good to hear that because I know that I'll call it the tail of a lot of the incident response work that we do often is in the improvement space, right? So you really do all that containment work and then sort of that recovery. And then there's almost always discussions around what do we do to help prevent this from happening again? So it's interesting that the insurance companies recognize somebody who's had an incident almost as a better risk at that point because they know they've made some improvements, right? Um, so, you know, you and I had the opportunity to meet at a at an insurance conference, essentially, right? And the thing that my takeaway as a, as a non-insurance practitioner was all the carriers were, were sort of bemoaning sort of the challenges they had in underwriting. And I'd say it was pretty clear that, you know, costs are expected to probably go up uh, at times, uh, or, you know, kind of over time here. And I'm wondering, you know, one, do you, do you concur with that that idea, right? That, that probably in the not too distant future costs will go up. But then I'm wondering, will there be ongoing requirements for a company to prove that they've got a security program in place or maybe an evolving security program? Yeah, I think it, costs are definitely going to increase. Um, you know, there's a lot in the insurance industry, like you mentioned, we were at that conference and you hear a lot of people talk about how, oh, yeah, you know, these expenses are through the roof. It's being driven by this. It's being driven by that. You know, it's going to have a huge impact on the marketplace. Everything was fine before. Well, I mean, cyber insurance has only been around for, I mean, 15 years, really. It, it, and that's even a stretch. I mean, I've been in the insurance industry for the last 13 years. Um, I was working on cyber from day one. And even then, they look drastically different than they used to. So my kind of perspective is, how do we even know that these are not the expenses that should be incurred? 
there's a lot of battle within the industry, but what we've done is realize that hey, these expenses are going to be more than we expected, whether or not that is just because of the nature of the environment right now, you're riding the wave of ransomware or, you know, we underestimated the actual expenses. There's a bunch of different perspectives on it, but I think what people have become or meaning carriers on the underwriting side to boost that, you know, profit to boost the premium so that they can cover those claims, they have become more stringent on the type of risk that they're willing to pick up, the type of company that they're looking to write. Some carriers will just decide not to write anything that's a little bit risky, you know, and that's fine, right? So, Maybe they felt that's going to be a benefit. Others have said, we're not going to write you as a huge company for X limits because you're a big company, you know, you're in the pipe, you're a pipeline, what happens? Right. Still being figured out, but yeah, there's definitely been some shifts in that area. So in the in the vein of controlling expenses, uh, do you have any tips for potential customers who want to know about uh, mechanisms for determining appropriate coverages, limits, and, and similar? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely... I mean, figure out like any kind of security review. I mean, you've got to know, you know what's on your network, right? The first step, figuring out what you're covering, right? It's mm -hmm. not like we're covering the property damage aspect of it. So you don't necessarily need to know like, hey, I've got this server, I've got this computer, but at least some understanding of what your exposure looks like. How many endpoints do you have? Um, what type of security are you using? Are you you know, is it everything in-house or are you utilizing something like Carbon Black or Palo Alto, whatever? Uh, understanding your exposure and being able to explain that to an agent. There's a lot of agents out there that don't really understand cyber, right? They just don't get it. It's still a relatively new coverage. They're, they're learning it as they go along. So it's incredibly important to work with someone who does understand that exposure. Uh, that could be an agent. If the agent doesn't know, Make sure that they're working with someone who does. That could be the carrier. That could be a wholesaler who can help them access more specialty markets. Uh, you know, what they can do in terms of, you know, figuring out, all right, how can we get to a better price? There's a lot of different levers you can pull in terms of limits, deductibles, uh, different types of coverage. Um, really, it comes down to, you know, who the insured is. I personally don't think there is one best carrier in the marketplace. I think there's a best carrier for that individual company. You know, there's the best carrier for them. So working with, you know, deductibles saying, hey, I'm willing to take on this additional risk. I might need to have a $5 million limit by contract. Um, can I bear the cost of a $25,000 deductible to bring that price down? No, it really comes down to the individual company's tolerance for that. I will say that most people in the marketplace really buy a million dollar limit. The reason being that covers the exposure from what we've seen from cyber extortion, social engineering, business interruption, all of the exposure, because the way the policies are set up is to cover the expenses as, as they happen. You know, on day one, I say, hey, I've had a breach, I think, notify the carrier. They're gonna roll out the forensics. Okay, that ex those expenses can be pretty significant just before you figure out what's going on. And then slowly but surely, you hit all the different coverages until you realize that, all right, well, this was a lot more expensive than we expected. Um, you know, it's really, it's it's trying to assess that exposure, what your tolerance is, and 
you know, that could be to the premium, that could be the limits, that could be the coverage. You can decide to get rid of certain coverage that does not you know, really matter to you based on that exposure. I think there's a lot, the most important thing is working with those agents that understand or are willing to take the time to understand what your actual risk is and what your tolerance is to premiums, limits, deductibles, and everything. That'll help you put together a, a comprehensive program that'll fit your needs. So here's one of the things though that I think that you're touching on that I think is really helpful. I, that is, I really want to point it out specifically, which is cyber liability insurance is not a substitute for a good security program, right? And, and we've, I've actually had customers say to me, you know, we, we don't need to make investments because I've got insurance. And you know, I'll throw you a softball. I assume that you're, you'll, you'll corroborate my idea here. But the reality is you know, they're both in support of each other. You know, you'll get better rates with insurance if you have a good program. And the reality is uh, you're expecting clients to have at least a baseline of security, right? And the, and the better the security program, the frankly, the better the rates, the better the coverage, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't really see, so I mean, cybersecurity in general, it's not a risk that can be solved. I don't care how much money you throw at it from a technology side or from an insurance side, it cannot be solved. It can only be managed. And right. really putting together the best, best risk management program incorporates both you know, technology that incorporates, you know, building out an infrastructure that's as secure as you can make it, as well as having an insurance policy, because something's going to happen. You know, it's always going to happen. You know, we have to be right 100% of the time. They, the attackers, only have to be right once. Right. Right. That's, that's the one you, the trip you hear consistently. But, yeah, I mean, the, really the only way to create a comprehensive risk management program to, you know, cover that company, to make everything secure, to keep that company going on its worst day is to really have both. Right? They, they complement each other. So I know we're running up against time here. There is one more question I, that I specifically want to get out, which is, um, you know, is there anything that really could result in a denied claim? Because I know that's one of the questions that we often get is, you know, how legitimate a product is this? You know, are they just looking to find ways not to pay? And frankly, in our experience, we've had great luck with cyber liability reimbursements. But I'm wondering if there's anything that you see as an obvious red flag for that folks should be aware of. Yeah, I mean, it's, I always hear when I would speak to insureds, um, you know, when I would speak to their CISO, it would be like, I don't think that cyber insurance pays. I don't know why you're here presenting this. While that's not a great way to start a meeting, it is an opportunity to you know, explain that it's not like your typical policy. It doesn't just wait for that lawsuit to come in. There's a lot of expenses that can be incurred. And frankly, I mean, statistics that we're seeing in the marketplace show that 95% or more of these claims are being covered, right? The only ones you hear about are the ones that are declined. People don't share that, hey, this company paid $10 million to make me whole again. Uh, for a couple different reasons. One, they don't want to talk about it. Uh, two, they, they may not be able to talk about it, but you know, there is a lot of coverage out there. Now, in terms of what can result in a denied claim that is you know, within the insured's control, you know, reporting the claim. Don't, don't be afraid. This is not auto insurance. The carrier wants to work with you on these claims. They want you to call that number to speak with their breach coach. Um, it doesn't get you know, jot it down as a potential claim. So at the renewal, they're not going to ding you for a premium increase, right? That's a big misconception. Uh, the carriers want to work with you as soon as possible to mitigate the damage, work on those expenses, 
have a better understanding of the timeline and what's going on. Uh, so really staying in touch with the carrier. Do not be afraid to reach out to them if you think something happened. They spend a ton of money creating an infrastructure that can handle those claims. Now, the other one that is really tied to any sort of insurance is, you know, filling out an application, not necessarily having the right information on there. Uh, again, this is cyber is still a relatively young industry. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, if it's gray, we pay, so to speak. But, uh, you know, it benefits a lot of the insureds. And make sure that if you are concerned, get on the phone with the carrier. They better be, I mean, you are working with them. There is a partnership there. Get on the phone with the carrier, talk it through with them, figure out uh, what's going on. And again, that goes back to why you should have a great agent, an agent that understands and is the right partnerships. That, I mean, makes a ton of sense. And, you know, it's interesting, the, the, the partnership aspect that you that you sort of touch on here, it, it clearly is much more of that, right? The, the goal is the risk is reduced for both sides, the better your communication flow is. So early and often and, and sort of mitigate this stuff you know, before it becomes something serious. Uh, but I know we're up against time. Uh, Mike, I personally, I really appreciate you joining today. I think it's been really informative. Uh, honestly, I you know, every time I chat with you, I learn a little something. So you know, this was good for me personally. I hope that everybody listening to this gets some value out of it as well. Uh, so I want to say thanks for joining. And uh, you know, if anybody's interested in hearing more about cyber liability insurance or maybe touching on some of the nuance today, you know, feel free to reach out at Vancord Security and Twitter, and we can bring Mike back in and have a further conversation. So Sounds thanks, Mike. Good. I'm a bit of a cyber insurance nerd, so I'm always happy to talk about it. <laughs> you are that for sure. So thanks. Thanks, guys. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been Cyber Sound. 